verse 24 of Luke chapter 22. A dispute also arose among them, them being the disciples of Jesus, as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. Now, I've read that verse, and I've, I've seen other people read that verse, and there's kind of this universal response, like most people kind of respond a certain kind of way, and I could sum that up in one word. But when you hear the context, the word is even more naturally coming forth. Now, the context is that right after this verse, I mean, right before, Jesus is having a very intimate supper with his close friends. And during that supper, he's taking bread and he's breaking it. And he's saying, this is my body. My body's going to be broken for you. And he takes uh, wine and he pours, this is my blood. It's going to be poured out for you. So Jesus is having this intimate meal with his close friends, and he says, look, I'm about to die soon. And his friends, of course, they, they love him. And in the next moment, they're arguing. And what are they arguing about? Oh, Jesus, oh, man, he's about to... No, what are they arguing about? Which one of... Which... Who's the greatest? Now, when I read the verse... <clears throat> I think the, the word that sums up our response is like, really? I mean, isn't that the word? Like, really? Like, your best friend, the most divinely loving man, amazing man you've ever met, your teacher, and you're arguing about who's the greatest? Really? 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 Okay, now, before we go there, I just want to share a bit of a personal story. Two weeks ago, I did something I thought I would never do again. Um, the story behind this is like during spring, I was having a conversation with God. And I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I've had a lot of dreams in my life. And I really feel like you've made most of those dreams come true. But there is one lost dream. And if you know me, you know that I suffer from vocal um, difficulties. It's, it's a chronic thing. And so it's had to limit me in what I can do ministry-wise. And so I was saying, God, one of my lost dreams is that I, I used to do retreat speaking. I used to speak at retreats. And I haven't done that for over 15 years. I'm just saying it's just a lost dream. I used to enjoy doing that. <clears throat> and then several weeks later... A buddy of mine calls me up, kind of out of the blue. He's like, hey, can you come and speak at a retreat? I'm like, bro, I don't know if I can. I mean, I can maybe speak for 20 minutes, not really more than 20 minutes, and then I'm done. Well, he's like, well, look, we don't need some guy up there giving long speeches. 20 minutes is fine. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'm sure. You sure? He's like, I'm sure. I'm like, I tell you what. Instead of giving you three long speeches, maybe I can give you four short ones. He's like, okay, I'll take it. So I, I went to the retreat, and I spoke four times, and they were not short. Any one of them was not short. They were all long. And at the very end, like number four, there's this woman that comes up to me, and she says, Pastor Andrew, 
I just want to say thank you so much. I just want to say thank you so much. I, I just found your messages to be very, um, very practical and very helpful. And so I was really blessed by your messages. They were very helpful. Thank you. It was helpful. And I, I, felt, I felt great. I felt good. I'm like, man, this is amazing, you know? Like, I can't believe, like, I made it through four long messages. And it was, help, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. So then I, I went up to the, 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 the worship director. And then we're having a conversation, and we were talking just about stuff. We're saying goodbye. And then guess what? The same woman came up. But she didn't want to talk to me. She wanted to talk to the worship director. I'm like, fine. I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to just take a, you know. And so she's saying, hey, I just wanted to say thank you to you, too. You, you were awesome. You were awesome. I mean, the worship was just awesome, and I just wanted to say that. I know you guys are talking to you. It was awesome. And then, and then she left. And so I was, you know, talking to, you know, Matt, but suddenly I could think of nothing except for something that I was thinking about. Anyone want to guess what I was thinking about? Ramen noodles. Yeah, ramen noodles. That's nice. <laughs> it wasn't ramen noodles. I'll tell you what I wasn't thinking about. I wasn't thinking, wow, my lost dream of retreat speaking has finally come true from... I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that. wasn't even close. wasn't even close. I wasn't thinking, wow, this guy is... He, he, no, by the way, he was very... He was awesome. I wasn't thinking, wow, I'm just so happy to be on the team of someone who's awesome. I, it, the thought crossed my mind before it left, you know. I was thinking... Why is he awesome and me just helpful? I don't want to be helpful. I want to be awesome. That's what really was going through my mind. And, um, and then, you know, but I finished the conversation, but it was, really, it was bothering me. It was, it was eating at me. I was, I was bothered by it. I was, I was discouraged. I don't, I don't want to be helpful. I want to be awesome. You know, wh why? Wh what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And, and here's the thing. Here's my... Here's, here's my my honest confession, my honest confession, if, if there's anything that's going to take me out of ministry, that's going, to, that's going to send me into early retirement, this is it. It's because I want to be awesome. And God wants me to be helpful. You're laughing at me. Have you guys ever struggled with this? Like, God wants you to be helpful, but you want to be awesome. I mean, you want other people to look at you and go, man, and just be so impressed. Anyone ever struggle with wanting to be the greatest? Anyone at least struggle with, I want people to respect me and appreciate me? Anyone struggle with that? You see, some people look for it in their achievements. A lot of people look for it in relationships. A lot of people. Let me, let me give you an example. How many of you guys have ever felt overshadowed by a best friend? How many of you guys, like in your family, your mom and your dad, there's a clear favorite, and some of you have the sneaking suspicion that it's not you? That is exactly how my brother feels. <laughs> right? And I, I tell him, it's not that hard. It's not that hard, you know? Just be nicer to her. Give her a call once a week. It's not that hard, you know? 
How many of you guys ever felt like I have a close friend and people seem to like my close friend more than they like me? And it doesn't sit well with us. We don't like that. We don't want to be there. We want to be there. Some of us, we even be like, I'm actually thinking of ending that friendship because of the way it makes me feel. There, there, there was one time that I was hanging out. Uh, it, was a, it was a group of friends. And in the group of friends were two best friends. They, they, were, they were women. They were best friends. Okay? And these, these two best friends had a third friend. I know this is a little complicated. Stay with me. Uh, a group, uh, two best friends, third friend, wasn't there, but called one of them. And everyone knew that this third friend was calling because the face came up on the cell phone. Look, you know, it's, it's this person. And, of course, the best friend didn't pick up the phone because she was hanging out with her best friend. Okay. <laughs> Ten seconds later, the other best friend gets a call from the same third friend. You all with me? And we all know it's her because the face comes up. And, of course, that best friend doesn't pick up because she's hanging out with her best friend. And then someone in the group, it wasn't me, someone in the group said what we were thinking. Someone goes, well, we all know who's number one. Was that insensitive? Yes, and it wasn't me. (laughs) But we were all thinking that. Later on, I found out that best friendship was going through some real struggle, almost to the point where, you know, and this was the issue. I I don't want to be around her because everyone seems to like her more than they like me. This was the issue. I want you to think about this. How many companies, how many families, how many boy bands, how many churches have been split apart and you strip away all the reasons why and fundamentally it was ego. Fundamentally, it was the question, who is the greatest? Is this a small problem? Is this not something you can relate to? This is a big problem. I can relate to this. This is a danger to my own ministry. I dare to say that everyone here can relate to this ego problem. And fundamentally, we want to be the greatest. We want people to be impressed with us. We want people to look at us and go like, yeah, I want to be like that. Okay. That's what we're talking about here. That is what we're talking about today. And uh, Jesus is actually going to address this issue in three verses. Now, you would think that for such a fundamental gargantuan problem, Jesus would give a 40-minute message. Jesus gives three verses. But I guarantee you, if you really unpack each of these verses and what Jesus is saying, it is nothing less than profound. I've been meditating on these verses this week. They've been feeding my soul. They've been convicting me. They've been challenging me. You know, you read these verses and you kind of go, yeah, 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 I've read it before. Jesus wants us to serve. Yes. In part, but I guarantee you there's something even deeper than that. You guys ready? You're supposed to say yes. Okay. All right, let's do this. Okay, um, go to verse 25. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, 
and those in authority over them are called, what's that word? Benefactors. Okay, now, now you look at this sentence. Jesus is giving an illustration. He's just using one sentence. Where is the emphasis? I think the emphasis is in the last three words. Are called benefactors. Okay, now let me explain this. Jesus is using an example from the Roman world, and his friends were all too familiar with this example and the system that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a system of expectation. Now, what's that system? It's kind of an unwritten system. Uh, I'll tell you a story that comes from the ancient world, and it's going to illustrate what Jesus is talking about. Now, here's the story. There was an emperor by the name of Diocletian. And he had um, many subjects. There is one nobleman, you can call this nobleman his favorite. And his favorite nobleman one day became a Christian. Now, Emperor Diocletian responded, and then here's the picture of something that I think you've, you've probably seen this picture before. Huh? You guys have seen this picture before? Is that true? Most of you have. Now, who's, who's that guy? That is Saint um, uh, Sebastian. And so it's the emperor basically had him tied up to a pole and shot him full of arrows. And the reason he gave what he said is, you ingrate. That's what he said. He said, you ingrate. I make you first in my palace, and you strive against me and my gods. All right, now, that's kind of a radical response, right? What, what is, what is, why would an emperor do that, especially to his favorite? The emperor did this because when Sebastian became a Christian, he totally rejected the system. Now, what's the system? The, the system in the Roman world is that leaders have authority and they serve. And the people, in response are supposed to honor and praise them and pump up their ego and, and think and say how great they are. And so the leaders would serve, but a lot of the motivation is for honor and respect. Look at me. Look at what a great man I am. But that's the deal. I serve you. I use my wealth and my money to take care of you, but you feed me with praise. You honor me whenever I'm around you. You think highly of me. Now, the more we go into this, the more we kind of go, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. That kind of sounds like how our society works. That kind of sounds like some of the motivation for why I do what I do. And then imagine Jesus going, exactly. Notice what Jesus says next. But he says, but not so with you. Those are some powerful words. But not so with you. Let me hear you guys say, but not so with you. But not so with you. So I want you to imagine Monday morning, right? You're working on a project at school or at work, and you have this desire to do something and to be impressive. For your boss to look at that and be like, that is awesome. And imagine Jesus going, not so with you. 
not so with you. Now let me give you a different scenario. Let's say you're going to like a family reunion or a family dinner, and you're sitting next to someone, and you kind of feel like all the relatives kind of like that person better. They're more accomplished than you are. It's like your cousin or something like that. And you're starting to feel a little bit insecure, maybe a little bit jealous. And then you hear the words, like heavenly words, but not so with you. Maybe that's how everyone thinks, but not so with you. These are powerful words, right? Now, what comes next is Jesus is about to give his definition of true greatness. Now, I know what the world thinks. I, I know what you think. Here's what I think. This is true greatness according to Jesus Christ. Okay? What comes next? He says, rather, let the greatest among you become as the, what's the word? Youngest. All right. Now, let me, let me tell you what, what Jesus is doing here. Um, Jesus, is, it, it's kind of like he's looking around the room. And in any room that you enter into, there's kind of like a social ladder, right? And there's people on the top of the ladder, and then there's people on the bottom of the ladder. Now, in this culture, the people on the top are the oldest. People who are old are venerated, honor, respect, appreciation. Then who's on the bottom? The youngest. Now, there was even one time where the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. Jesus goes, I got a visual that you will never forget. And then you imagine he's looking around the room and he like, he like, he grabs, he grabs a kid, right? I'm not going to grab you, don't worry, but he's going to, he grabs a kid and he puts the kid in front of them. He's like, okay, all eyes on this kid, all eyes on this kid, right? They're all looking at the kid and then Jesus said, you want to be great? Be like this kid. Now this would never work in this context. Why? I bring out a kid like that. You look at the kid and everyone's thinking the same thing. Oh, he's so cute, right? And then you, you got people who are like fawning over the kid, and then, then the illustration is lost. It wouldn't work. So let, let's do something different. Let's say Jesus is looking around the room, okay? Now, you guys got to give me a little bit of grace, okay? I come up with good ideas and, and some not so good ideas, but give me some grace on this one, okay? Is that a deal? Can that be our new system? I do the caveat and you give me some grace? No. Okay. All right. Okay. Now imagine Jesus looking around the room, social ladder, and then he's like, you. And he, he picks up someone and he, and he holds this person in front of the, of, the, of the crowd. Okay? Now I didn't want to do this to one of you because that's, that's, just, that's just mean. But, the, but let's just say we're doing this right now. Okay? And this person represents what? So if there are people way high, then this person is way Way low, okay? This person is very lowly, okay? I was thinking of a name. I was going through names. I'm like, hold on. There's people in our church with that name. So we're, <laughs> we're going to call this person Andrew. And I know there's another Andrew. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. Um, so that's, this is Andrew uh, Bottom Low. He's Asian with the low, L-O-W. You guys got that? Okay, this is, this is say hello to Andrew. Okay, all right. You guys with me, okay? Now he's... Now, now, how do I describe him? He's, uh, he's really short. Anyone who's shorter than me is really short, okay? Got a unibrow. Let's just say he's a really bad hygiene, right? Woo! Right? It's really, really bad. It's coming out of everywhere, right? And, and plus, on, on top of that, he, 
he's an inflatable doll, okay? Right? Okay, so this is, this, he's low. He's low, right? You all with me? Whatever you desire in a good friend, Andrew doesn't have it. You all with me? Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus is saying, become like lowly Andrew. What does that mean? Uh, is that weird to anyone? Does anyone want to find that a little bit repulsive? Is Jesus saying, hey, you know what I want you to do? I want you to commit social suicide. Well, what, for the sake of social suicide? What is Jesus saying? All right? Okay, now Jesus is saying true greatness. Now I want you all to take a look at Andrew. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. What is one thing that Andrew can do very naturally that the person on the top of the social ladder cannot do? What can he do that the guy on top or the woman on top cannot do? Okay, what Andrew cannot do is take his identity in the praise of other people. Why? Because no praise is coming. What is one thing that Andrew can do that the guy on top cannot do? Well, he can't find his identity in the number of people that want to meet with him. Why? Because no one wants to meet with him. So he has this unique opportunity of finding his worth in the unconditional love of God. And Jesus is saying, be like that. Don't look for it from other people. Sometimes they'll give it to you. Sometimes they won't. There's always going to be someone who gets more. Look for it in the source where it will never end. Where it is always secure. Look for it from God alone who loves you so much that he gave up his son for you. Okay, uh, true greatness. Definition number one. Become like a loser. Well, in what way? Well, a loser cannot find their identity from the praise of people. And she finds it in the unconditional love of God. Right? Okay, now let's keep on going. Now, the second definition. Okay. Now, now again, the problem is that all these communities are being split apart and the core issue is ego and who, who's the greatest. And the first thing is don't look for praise from other people. Look for it from God alone. Okay, number two. Number two, definition of true greatness. Jesus says this. And the leader as one who serves. Let's keep on going. And the leader as one who serves. We keep on going. For who is the greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? That's the question. So if Jesus is asking you a question, the answer is, according to the world, who's greater? The person who reclines, right? Now we know this because Jesus even answers the question. Well, according to the world, it's, it's the one who reclines at the table, is it not? Okay, now, no, okay, there, there's, I want you to imagine there's a, someone who's reclining and there's someone who's serving, right? Now Jesus is like, I know how the world thinks. I know how the world thinks. The world thinks the person who's reclining is greater and the person who's serving is less great. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Jesus goes, no, no, no. The person who's serving is great and the person who's reclining is less great. And we kind of go, well, Why? Now, let's try to answer that question. Look at this picture. 
look at the person who's serving. Look, the, the photographer didn't even feel like it was worth capturing their entire face. <laughs> look at that, right? Okay, now what is it about that guy, according to Jesus, that makes him great? And what's it about the people at the table who are reclining who are less great, according to Jesus? And plus, if people recline at the table, maybe they're leaders. Isn't leading a kind of service? So why is Jesus saying, this guy, less great, this person, more great? Okay, I want you to look at the waiter. Clearly, what makes this person great, according to Jesus, is, is not what they're wearing. It's not about their looks, their, their job description, their title, or how many people. Or it, it's, it's not that. What makes that person great according to Jesus? And I think Jesus would say, it's their focus. Who is that waiter focused on? Okay, well, well, let's go to the people who are reclining. Look at them. What makes them less great? Not title, not how much they make, not how many people revere them. What makes them less great? I think Jesus would say, it's their focus. The people who recline at the table, what's their focus? Look at the woman. Who is she focused on? Well, you're like, well, you, me, right? I know, but doesn't she kind of look like she wants to look good? Right? And the guy who's also reclining, what's his focus? He's looking at the, the food, right? He's like, <laughs> I can't wait to eat that. You know, it's going to be in my tummy. You know, yum, you know, right? So they're focused on themselves, and the servant is focused on other people. Well, what is greatness according to Jesus? It's being focused on other people. It's having your identity come from God, so you're not looking for it from other people. And that frees you up to leverage all you got to be focused on other people. I've heard it said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, like low self-esteem, but it's thinking of yourself less. Now, I want you to imagine, just picture yourself. In a little bit, we're going to go to the holy chow, and I, I just want to, you to imagine that you're talking to someone that you've never met before, right? Actually, I have, I have met you. You are Ichan's sister. Remind you, it's Eli, right? Okay, now let's, let's pretend that we, met, we meet each other for the first time. I'm sitting across from you. It's like, Calvin told you to come here. You come here. I'm shaking. Yeah, nice to meet you. Okay, now, now, you, you, now you've been in this situation. What normally is, is our focus? Our focus at this point is, you know, I, I want to come off in the right way. I think that's normally our focus. I, I want to make a good impression. I want to come off in the right way. But what if you, you're doing that and you hear Jesus go, but not so with you, you know? <laughs> and your focus is now like, I want Eli to actually come off the right way. I'm more focused on the impression she's making than the impression that I'm making. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about? Uh, th this was said of my sister-in-law when she turned 40. It was, I think it was written on a letter, and it was, it was really meaningful. But someone said, y you know what's really special about Michelle is that she has this unique ability of making you feel like you are the most interesting person in the room. That is her gift. 
what if that is what you're all about? You are focused on making the person you're talking to the most interesting person on the room. And according to Jesus, that is true greatness. Now, um, I, uh, I realize that this is a little bit complex, you know. We're, we're talking about solving one of the, the greatest issues that splits communities apart, you know, which is ego and who's the greatest. And I'm, I'm talking about identity and I'm, and I'm talking about... Um, and I'm talking about other focusedness. So can we reduce this definition of Jesus of greatness into something that you can take home? So like on Monday or even Sunday night, you can remember it. Because there's a lot to remember. And I'm working on this and working on this. And I've reduced it down to basically five words. If someone like in the car was like, hey, what was Pastor Andrew talking about? You just whip out the five words. This is what I think Jesus is saying in a nutshell. Five words, okay? It's like this. Love takes the lowest place. If you like those words, they're not mine. They're from Paul Miller. I stole them. But there you go. Love takes the lowest place. Now, what happens after this? Well, um, Jesus asks a question. He says, who's greater, the person who reclines or the person who serves? Isn't it the one who's uh, reclining? And then Jesus says, but I come to you as one who serves. I come to you as one who serves. Now, what I think I can do is in the flash of one picture, show you that the very heart of what Jesus is saying is that love takes the lowest place. I'm pretty sure I can do it in one picture. It's a little bit graphic, but it's the truth. Here's the picture. Now, I want you to look at that picture. There is no place that's lower than that place. Do you agree? There is no place lower than that place. Mocked, spit upon naked and hoisted up on a pole, bloodied, tortured, suffocating to death. There is no place that's lower than that place. Jesus took it. Why did he take it? Jesus took that place out of love for you and me. He was paying for the penalty of our crimes against God, all the self-absorption, all the pride. Jesus took it so that we could be forgiven and set free. Love takes the lowest place. Now, here's the thing. If you follow Jesus, then you are called to take the lowest place, to walk into a room and go, where is the lowest place? Because that's where Jesus went, and that's where he calls me to go. I might have shared this story before. There's this man by the name of Robertson McCorkin, and he used to be a president of a university. Now, when you're the president of a university, that's a very, very, you're very, very high on the ladder. You're very high up there. But when his wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, he resigned from his position, and he decided to care for his wife full time. Now, this is the video of him giving his resignation speech, and I just want you to go ahead and, and, and listen. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions, but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy 
were not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror. And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. I was watching this video in my office. I've seen it before, maybe even a dozen times, and I just started to tear. What is it about this story that, that touches us? I think it touches us because Jesus is right. I think it touches us because when we hear this story, it's a glimpse of Jesus on the cross. It's a glimpse of the most beautiful love story in the world. And we cry because it's like we're witnessing true greatness. You know, as the story goes, years later, Robertson is in a puddle of filth. And he's towels and he's cleaning up after, he's cleaning up after his wife. And he's sitting in this puddle, and he was going, I used to be a university president. And, uh, and God, if I was pretty good at it, then it seems like you called me out of it, and maybe I wasn't very good at it. Because this feels like a huge demotion. Well, the next day, he's taking a walk with Muriel, his wife, and he's, he's, he's pushing her in, in a wheelchair, and he's doing it very tenderly. And... Over there is this, he calls a derelict, you know, who looks at him pushing his wife, and the derelict goes, ah, that's good. I likes that. I likes that. And then just walks off. And he didn't think nothing of it. He just kind of pushed his wife, okay, pushed his wife, and, and then later on he's having a quiet time. And he feels like God is saying to him, the derelict, that was me. And he starts to realize that that was God's voice. And God was looking at him going, I like that. I really like that. Can you imagine God looking at your life, your priorities, and God saying, now that's what I call great. That's true greatness. Is that not the life that you want to live? Love takes the lowest place. That's what Jesus did, and that's what he calls his followers to do as well. 
So whenever you walk into a room, we are people who ask ourselves, what is the lowest place? I want to give you some examples of this. And uh, I wanted to be as real to life as possible. And so I need your help in helping me understand where is that low place. Now, I'll just pretend that you go home today. It's Sunday night. Let's just say you have kids, you know. And let's just say you're married and you're letting your kids play Pokemon Go too much. And your wife is getting upset. Okay, no. Now, this didn't happen to me, but I'll tell you something that really did happen to me, okay? This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was, it was, I don't know if it was Sunday night, but I'm with my family, and my kids are playing Mad Libs. You guys, you guys remember Mad Libs, right? You don't know the context, and you fill in the blanks. Now, here's the thing with Mad Libs. If you use sterile words, it's not funny. So you got to get a little bit colorful, right? You got to think out of the box, right? And so I'm doing Mad Libs with the kids, and it's, you know, we're just kind of, uh, Cutting up and getting loose. And then, so now here, I'm drawing a line right here. Here is what you call the line of decency, okay? <laughs> Mad libs and uh, don't know the context. And so what I did is I was leading the way all, uh, just creeping as close to the line as possible, right? And all the kids went with me, creeping, creeping. And I was creeping before I, I crossed over it. And, uh, and so what you have here is like, you know, just... Uh, uh, in, indecency, just, you know, potty humor and all that stuff, okay? So I, I, I crossed over, and then the kids went with me, like, woohoo! And they went, they, we, we all went over, right? And I'm looking at Raina's face, and she's not happy. <laughs> she's over on the other side, you know? And so I go, I go, whoops, and I step back. But here's the thing, once I step back, none of the kids wanted to follow me anymore. <laughs> the line was already crossed. And I'm like, kids, get, get back, get back. You're, look at your mom, get back, get back. And they wouldn't get back. And so she's getting angrier and angrier. Now, here's the thing. I'm like, look, you're, you, I, I slipped up, you know. Don't make a big deal out of something small. And, of course, she's thinking, you're a bad role model, right? And she's right. Okay, but well, now, now, now right there, right there. Now, now I, married people are like are, are kind of prejudiced in this. I, I want to hear from someone who's not married. Where is the lowest place? Help me out. Come on. Yeah, I didn't know either. So we're, we're basically in the uh, same boat. Can the lowest place be, you say sorry, and you mean it. And if they're not ready to forgive you just like that, then you, you basically, you, 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 uh, you say nothing. Can that be it? And if they're still criticizing you, then what do you do? Lowest place is what? You, you take it. You take it. Doesn't feel good to be in the lowest place. But it's what Jesus would do. Okay, uh, a, a new scenario. New scenario, okay? New scenario. Uh, let, let's say, um, let's say you, you go home today and you clean up your apartment. You clean up your apartment. Everything in your apartment is so clean, right? And then your roommate, your housemate comes home. What's the first thing you normally say when that happens? You go, hey, do you notice anything different? Okay, you're with me, right? You've done this before. Uh, Raina did this to me like two weeks ago. Hey, you notice anything different? And then I looked around and I said, you got a haircut, you know? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, nope, you know. And then I'm like, you know, I'm... 
fine. And then next week, I came back from home from the gym, and I said, honey, do you notice anything different? You know, I'm, jo- I'm joking. That, that, no, I didn't do that. But, okay. Okay, no, no, no. So let's say you clean up the house, or you just do something really nice. You, you, you cook the meal, or you go to your parents' house, and you fix the water heater. Or, you know, you do something that's, that's pretty, pretty good, pretty, pretty monumental, right? And then here's the thing. They don't seem appreciative. They don't send you a card. They don't pat you on the back. They don't say, wow, thank you so much for coming. They don't do any of that. In fact, they start to criticize your cooking. The chicken looks a little bit undercooked. Okay? Now you're feeling something. What are you feeling? This has happened to you before. What are you feeling? It begins with B. Not that word. The, the other word. It, the, the, it begins with B and ends with iterness, right? Y'all been there. You're starting to think, like, I'm not going to do this thing. You cook your own meal. Okay. Uh, and suddenly you hear a word from the Lord. But not so with you. You're like, okay, okay. Where is the lowest place? Where is the lowest place? I'm, I'm cooking your food. I'm actually not expecting you to praise me. I'm cooking food because I want you to be well fed. And I'm doing it unto the glory and the pleasure of God. And I will do it again. And you don't need to say thank you. Is, is that not the lowest place? Doesn't feel good to be in the lowest place. But is that not the lowest place? You know what's really easy? It's really easy to do something good when people thank you. But the test of true servanthood is what you do when no one thanks you. What if no one even notices? Now think about this. You can proactively do something really nice and just ensure that no one thanks you. And you can, you can do it in a way where you just, I, I'm totally making sure that I'm doing it for the right reasons and that, and that my reward all comes from God. You know, you know how you do that? You do the nice thing in secret. Now, I, I, I heard this teaching when I was in college. And I was inspired. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my roommate and I'm going I'm to do something and, and, uh, in total secret. And so I'm thinking, what does he need? What does he need? His car is always dirty, filthy dirty. And so I washed his car. And to this day, he has not thanked me. I'm just kidding. Actually, I, I did wash his car, right? I washed his car. I didn't tell him, didn't tell him, you know. And he didn't say thank you. And then day one went by, day two went by. I think like several days went by. And one day, he's like in his car, and he's driving, and, and then he hits like the stoplight. And then he looks at his window, and he's like, oh, it's really clean. And then he looks beyond his window at the hood, and he's like, whoa. And then he goes, I know what happened. It must have rained. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, that's, you know? <laughs> and that's what you do. You do it in secret and you don't tell a soul. And that way you do it and you do it for the right reason because that's the Jesus way. You see, the Jesus way is that if you want to go up, then Jesus is like, well, the way to go up is down. If you want glory, and then Jesus is like, yeah, it's through the cross. If you want the highest place according to God, then Jesus is like, yeah, 
you got to take the lowest place. That's the way. And would you stand up and would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for showing us the way. You are the way and the truth and the life. You took the lowest place and you call us to follow you and a lot of times it doesn't feel good to be in that place, Lord. But we know that this is the way to love and this is the way in your eyes to be great. And most of all, we want to be great before you. In your name we pray.